Welcome to the Seven Hills Church Podcast with Marcus Mika. We're excited you're here listening as Pastor Marcus is about to bring an incredible teaching that is sure to inspire, motivate, and lift you up. You can visit us on our website at sevenhillschurch.tv or download our free Seven Hills Church app to watch or listen to more exclusive content. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed the message. I'll get there in just a little bit. As you know, we're in a series right now and um, asking for a friend. For those of you who don't know, we encourage people to send in questions that they're asking for a friend. In other words, maybe for them, but something they're believe, they're, they want to know. Maybe it is for them personally. Maybe it is for a friend. And many questions came in, and we're trying to take the most popular questions and somehow or another lock in on some of those subjects. We can't deal with them all. One of the subjects that kind of came up in a, general, in a general way, one way or another, several times it kept coming up, and that is, does God always answer prayer? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Does God always answer prayer? I think that that is one of the most important questions that any man or woman could ever ask. Does God always answer prayer? prayer? And my answer to that would be, yes, God, for the child of God, God always answers prayer. You've never prayed a prayer God has not answered. There is no such thing as a failed prayer in heaven. Did you know your prayers never die? When you pray a prayer, it immediately becomes eternal. You give it to God and it lives until the answer shows up in your life. You've never prayed a prayer that God has not answered. Now, that's not to say that God gives you everything that you want every time you ask for it, right? He's a good father, not an irresponsible one. So what the Bible says, he's a good father. And the Bible explains what a good father is like, how if we're earthly Fathers, those of you who have children, you know that as an earthly father, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Good, another way to say that would be appropriate gifts. Well, time gifts, you know your child, like, you know, you know, if you like your child is at three years old and they want a switchblade, for example, that is probably not an appropriate gift. Come on. You probably don't want to give your five year old an AR. Okay, probably not an appropriate gift. Gift. I know we're in Kentucky, but it's probably not an appropriate <laughs> gift. That's why the Bible says, so he goes on to say, if you ask for bread, he doesn't give you a stone. If you ask for fish, he doesn't give you a scorpion. Because as a good father, he knows how to give good gifts to his children. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect, notice the language there, every good and perfect, Good and perfect, appropriate, fitting. God knows sometimes the things that we're praying for, if he said yes to it, it would bring a curse into our life. It would bring devastating things. So, so he's a good father. He's not an irresponsible father. He knows that if he just gives us whatever that we want, sometimes our weakness or our immaturity could cause us to abuse and cause harm to ourselves with the yes. So God always answers prayer, but sometimes his answer is no. 
Has anybody in here ever had God give you a big fat no? Have you ever looked back and said, God, thank you for giving me a big fat no? Capitalize, bold, underline, exclamation point, no. Thank you for the no. Then, then there's times where God says, wait, not yet, not now. And there's times where God says, yes. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the sons of Zebedee, their mom came to Jesus and said, hey, I want to make sure that my sons have access to be the best in the kingdom, right at your right hand, the place of power. And Jesus is like, you don't even know what you're asking. No, you've missed it. You don't, you're asking for greatness. Why don't, you, why don't you know that in the kingdom, the greatest is the servant? Paul went to God three times to remove the thorn in his flesh in 2 Corinthians. And God says, no, no, no. And you know what God's answer was after Paul kept praying and praying and praying? The apostle Paul, no. So he's a good father. He's not an irresponsible father. So John chapter 15, let's begin to look at some of the things that Jesus tells us about this idea of prayer. Does God always answer prayer? Verse 5, John 15 and verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do remain in me, you're like a branch that's, or if you do not remain in me, you're like the branch that's thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you do remain in me, And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is for my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Whatever, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This right here is the last conversation Jesus has. He's having a conversation with the apostles before he goes to the cross. And in this conversation, he says that exact phrase in one way or another, adds a couple words, a little different here and there. But seven times he he says, ask whatever you wish and I'll do it for you. Ask this in my name. And if you'll ask this in my name, I'll do it for you. Seven times. It's, It's like Jesus has forgotten that he already told them before, if you'll ask In my name, whatever it is, I'll do it. It's like he's forgot. It's like in a short period of time, he keeps saying it. The repetition is annoying. Hey, if you'll ask me, I'll do it. If you'll ask me, I'll do it. Have you asked me? Ask me and I'll do this. Ask me. Hey, by the way, have I told you? I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to go ascend to the right hand of the Father. But before all that happens, will you ask me? If you ask me, whatever you ask me, my Father will do it for you. If you ask in my name, hey, ask me, ask me, ask me. You want to know why he, he was so focused on telling us to ask him? Because the big question isn't, does God always answer prayer? The, the big question is, are we praying? Are we asking him? I mean, are we asking him? Because that's what the Bible says. You have not because you ask not. And then when you do ask, you ask amiss or you ask for meaningless things or senseless things. And so three thoughts real fast. Three thou shouts on how to keep your God connection strong. Three thou shouts and we'll get out of here. You ready? You're not not with me. You're not with me. You ready? All right. Sure? 
You guys ready up there? All right. All right. Elbow the person next to you and say, we're ready. They're not ready. You guys ready up there? You guys ready up there? You guys set up there because you hope I won't focus on you. What about over here? You guys ready over here? Ah, that's, I'm not talking to you guys. I'm going to talk to these guys over here. I like you guys. You guys are awesome. You guys are amazing. This is where you would try to make up for the last thing over there, how that was, that really weak. Ah. See, no, not happening. This is actually the section with little children. So this is the section that didn't sleep last night. All right, you're up all night with your babies. All right, number one, thou shalt establish your cool place. Thou shalt establish your cool place. Jesus said, Jesus said, he's the vine, we're the branches. And what did he say? Don't disconnect from that. I'm the source. Do not disconnect from the source. In Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, we see his original intent with mankind was to have a consistent, regular, ongoing relationship. He didn't want to be a distant creator. He didn't want to be a far off God. No, he wanted to have relationship with his creation. So every day he would show up in the cool of the garden, or at least consistently we know, on a regular basis he would show up in the cool of the garden where he would talk with Adam and Eve. He showed up on a regular basis or consistently enough that Adam and Eve one day decided to not show up. So the Bible says God shows up in the the cool of the day in this place that he had showed up on a consistent basis to meet with Adam and Eve. And they're not there. And so God asked this question, where are you? Where are you? Every preacher has preached that question at some point. Adam, where art thou? You know, where are you? God asked that question because we know that Adam and Eve disconnected from the vine. They disconnected from the source. They disconnected from God. And we know the way that that happened. We know the way that this went down is that Adam and Eve, or Eve was deceived by the enemy, and he told her, you know, the fruit that hath God said, and, and you know, if, if you'll eat of this fruit, you'll be like God. You're not going to need God. You'll be able to make it on your own. You'll be able to know what he knows and, and have the things that he... So, so he doesn't... And so she goes, and she reaches for the fruit. She grabs the fruit. She pulls on the fruit. It's a plastic tree. So we're in Kentucky in the winter. It's the best I could do. She pulls on the fruit. She disconnects it. She consumes it. She talks Adam into consuming it. And the moment she reaches and pulls and disconnects the fruit from its source, her and Adam were disconnected from their source. What was their source? Regular, consistent times where they would show up and commune with God. The moment they reached and pulled and disconnected the fruit from its tree, they disconnected from showing up to the time and place. They Number one, thou shalt establish thy cool place. 
If you do not have a time and place to pray, can I help you? You won't pray. You have to establish your cool place. Can I tell you what your fruit is? Anything that disconnects you from a regular, consistent time and place, your cool place, the place that you go and meet and commune with God. Anything, no matter how good it tastes, no matter how amazing it is, no matter how convincing you are, no no matter how important you think that it is, anything, no matter how much you justify it, excuse it, anything that disconnects you from that place, that God connection, that's your fruit. That's your fruit. The problem with us as a church is we have a bunch of people that we're looking to fruit to be our source. When Jesus says, no, the fruit's not your source. The person next to you is not your source. Even this church is not your source. This church's job is to connect you to divine. To connect to him, right? To make, if not, we're just all coming and hanging out. And the second we disconnect from the source, we begin to lose our life. We begin to lose our source and we end up just hanging out together. And before we know it, we're just a bunch, what do they say? One apple, you know, bad apples. What's that saying? Somebody help me out. I didn't think about that one. If you put a good apple with bad apples, it spoils a bad apple or come on, help me out. Y'all don't know that. God never heard that? Yeah, that's what she said. Okay, forget it. That's, that's done. That's right. Thank you. Anybody else want to say it real quick? Just, just make sure everybody gets theirs in. Okay. Um, Thou shalt establish thine cool place. Over and over. Ask anything in my name. I'll do it for you. Ask anything. In my name, I'll do it for you. I want to do it for you. What's mine is yours. Ask my Father in heaven. I'm in you. You're in me. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, stay connected to the vine. Stay connected to that source. We're never more like what we were originally created to be than when we're meeting with God, communing with God, talking with God, hanging out with God, giving time to our Father who is in heaven. Thou shalt establish thy cool place. Number two, thou shalt guard thy cool place. You got to guard it. First, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 14 says, Guard through the Holy Spirit the treasure that God has entrusted to you. Guard through the Holy Spirit the treasure that God has entrusted to you. You know what that treasure is? That's your God connection. You have to guard your God connection. You know what Adam and Eve didn't do? Did you know God commanded Adam 2 and verse 15, Genesis 2 and verse 15, to be the keeper of the garden? In other words, that word keeper is the guard. It wasn't the devil that took them out of their cool place. The devil was allowed in because they weren't guarding their cool place. The devil didn't force them to grab the fruit. They chose to disconnect God didn't ask the devil, where is Adam and Eve at? No, God asked Adam and Eve, hey, where are you? They had all their reasons for why they disconnected, but they did not guard their God connection. Guard, the word guard is the Greek, in the Greek actually means bodyguard. 
It means bodyguard. Employ a bodyguard through the power of the Holy Spirit to keep the treasure that's been, that God connection that's been entrusted to you. You've got to employ the bodyguard. Every time the Bible uses that word guard, it's referring to prayer. It's, it's saying it about different things for different reasons, but every time the Bible uses that word guard or employ a bodyguard, it's about prayer. In the Old Testament, it's the word watchman, how they would put the watchman on the wall and that he would be the guard, he would be the keeper, he would be the one on the outlook, making sure that anything that was trying to come in, they would be protected from. The Bible says you have to guard. Thou shalt guard thy cool place. Now, I've invited some friends to come help me with this. And so, um, so Shaq, Will, would you guys come? Sean, would you guys come? So these guys, you know, um, are going to help make sure that I illustrate this for you guys, because I can tell you guys are not with me this morning. I can feel it. Anytime you talk about prayer, everybody gets really excited. And so in, in case you think I'm really a little guy, I'm probably 5'10", 5'11". I like to say 5'11 with my boots on, but probably 5'10", legitimately 200 pounds, all right? Now, the, both these guys will play, play for the Bengals, um, plays for Tampa Bay, defensive end. Shaq played professional uh, football. He's always back here ushering for us. So anyway, so I invited them to come out, and, and I, I had there be two of them to give them a chance here. I wanted to make sure, I wanted to make sure that, that they, they had a chance here. And what I've asked them to do is I'm going to try to reach for and pull the fruit off the tree. That's my job. Now, I've asked them, and what I did is I thought, what's this, who are the strongest, most capable people I could possibly find? And I called them. We asked them to show up. They've given their time every service this weekend. And I've invited them up here, and I've asked them, quit. You guys don't get to plan this out. And I've asked them to for real, this isn't a game, I've asked them to stop me from getting to the tree. So this is going to really happen. Okay, this is not, this is going to really happen. And I'm guessing by hearing them talk behind me, they've got something special for you. But I've been planning because I've had two shots. I've been planning. So I've got something for you. Could you imagine all the people they've had to stand across from? And now you got to deal with me. Man. So they say the average NFL play is about three and a half to five seconds. All right, so you're going to help me count down. And then they have five seconds to stop me from getting to the tree. All right? You guys good? All right, let's do it. Countdown. Help me out. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Now, one. You guys have to. 
I hurt my hip. They picked me up like out five pounds. That's terrible. Now, I've asked them to show up. I asked them to do that. I don't know what's going on. All right, I got it. And again, I called the two strongest, most capable guys I could. I'm not saying there's not more capable, but these guys are pretty capable. Would you agree? And and I asked them to not let me get to the tree. I asked them, no matter what I do, don't let me get to that tree. Guard it. Be the bodyguards of that tree. Guard thine cool place. Guard it. Guard through the Holy Spirit the treasure, the God connection. Don't disconnect from the vine. Whatever you do, don't disconnect from the vine is what Jesus was saying. Don't disconnect from it. Jesus knew that we would have a tendency like Adam and Eve to reach and try to grab and try to pull on things that would disconnect us from the vine. So prayer is our bodyguard. When you pray, you're employing the guards. So when you pray something like, Keep the right people in my life and the wrong people out. I've prayed that prayer for 20-some years. I'm not saying there's evil people. I'm saying, God, you know the godly, divine relationships that need to be in my life for me to accomplish what you've called me to do. Keep the wrong people out. I don't have to mourn people exiting my life. Because I've already prayed ahead of time, keep the wrong people out. Not bad people, not evil people, and keep the right people in my life. Why do I pray that? Is it because I'm super spiritual? Is it because I'm like, no, I already know I pray that because I have a tendency to reach for wrong relationships. I have a tendency to want to reach and grab and pull on affirmation from people, acceptance from people. I don't do well with rejection from people. I, I, I don't, I'm a very loyal person, so when I see disloyalty, I don't know how to handle it. It, it rocks me. And because I know that, I pray over and over and over. And I'm guarding 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, my God connection, because I know I have a tendency to reach and grab and pull on people as my source instead of maintaining my cool place and guarding it and knowing God is my source. I have a tendency to to be critical, to reach and grab. And the problem with being critical is so dangerous because it appears so respectable. But the truth is you immediately become the victim the second you start to become a critic. Immediately. So you reach for that. You try to grab that. That critical spirit gets on you. You start to pull on that It disconnects you from staying focused on the will of God. God's got all this under control. He's he's in charge. He's sovereign. Nothing that's happening in the world. Nothing that's happening with people. Nothing that all these complicated scenarios. Everybody's got the answer and everybody's a critic of everybody. All that stuff. You know what? The second you become the critic, you're the victim. So I have to stay connected to the vine. Addictions. People try to reach and pull. And that's what Adam and Eve were doing. They were hiding. They were covering. They were, they were trying to, in some way or another, find a way to handle life without their God connection. Depending on one another, talking with one another, sowing fig leaves with one another, all these self-sufficient ways of trying to go at things, they disconnected. And people all the time are reaching for things to numb, to hide, and they're losing their God connection. Negativity, gossip, unforgiveness, bitterness. All of us have a tendency to reach for things and pull on things and grab a hold of things. And the truth is, a lot of times those things we're reaching for are disconnecting us from our God connection. People reach for things all the time that mess their relationship up with God. Prayer is how you say, guard me from those things. Guard me from the idea that I can separate my spirituality from life. That they're two separate things. That, that my prayer life is one thing and my daily life is another thing. Your daily life is actually the indicator of the power of prayer. If you want to know where God answers prayer, what he looks at, it's not the tone or the length of your prayer. It's how you live your life after you pray. He's looking at that. That's why the Bible says, man, before you come and pray, the Bible says God doesn't hear the prayer if you have iniquity in your heart. I thought you said God always answers prayer. He does if you guard iniquity in your heart. No. If If you harbor unforgiveness with somebody, the Bible says you have to go make it right with them before you pray. So if you are harboring unforgiveness, and I know a lot of people get confused by that because they're wrestling through things. I'm just saying if you have something in you, where you refuse. I'm not saying you have to go reestablish the relationship. I'm not saying it has to go back to how it was. But if you're constantly feeding on what someone has done to you so much that you cannot actually move on in your life, God says, man, listen, you got to 
Come to me, pray for forgiveness, pray that you get, that's what the disciples said, pray when he says you got to forgive 70 times 7, that's 490 times a day, that's once every 90 seconds, forgive, 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 forgive. They said, pray for us, right, to have more faith. That's a good prayer. If you can't feel like you can do something, then sometimes you should pray for prayer, The Bible says, if you have an issue with your spouse, he's not answering the prayer. I'm not saying you have like a fight. I'm saying you, there's a mate. Why? Because God doesn't separate our time with him from our everyday life. We have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to separate what happens in here with what happens out there. And God says, no, what happens in here is supposed to affect what goes on out there. This is supposed to influence the decisions, the relationships out there. I know, not you, this is me. I have a tendency to reach and pull on things that will disconnect me from God. Prayer is how we employ the bodyguard. Again, it was Eve who reached for it. When you don't pray, you're asking this incredible power that God's given you. You're firing it. It's unemployed. It's not working for you. So to grab this stuff, to disconnect, thou shalt guard your cool place. You have to protect it. You have to be the watchman of it. You have to be the one that says, Lord, even the things in me that have a way of disconnecting me from my relationship with you. Guard me from those things. Don't let me even, don't, I'm not, forget the devil, forget other people. Guard me from the things I tend to do. That's my fruit. Guard me from those things. Come on, let's give these guys a good hand clap as I wrap up. Number three, thou shalt accept the prayer challenge. Thou shalt accept the prayer challenge. In John Ortberg's book, you have to get out of the boat to walk on water. He gives a story of, of a guy that has a ministry in Washington, D.C. His name's Doug Coe. And he leads a guy by the name of Bob to the Lord. And Bob runs across the scriptures we just read, that whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it for you. And as he reads those, those scriptures, Bob asks Doug, is it true? He says what? That whatever I ask in Jesus' name, he'll do it for me. And Doug says, well, yes. I mean, it's not like there's a blank check, but yes, Jesus answers prayer. He says, okay, I'm going to start praying for Africa. And Doug's like, well, I'm not really sure that's the exact way it works. Why don't you, do you have a reason to be praying for Africa? He's like, no. He's like, I just feel like I have a heart for Africa. He says, okay, well, why don't you narrow it down a little bit? He says, okay, Kenya. And Doug says, okay, fine. Pray for Kenya. He says, this is what I'm going to have you do. For six months, every single day, I want you to pray for Kenya. At the end of six months, if you pray every day, you pray for Kenya, 
It's sincere. It's true prayer. It's believing prayer. You're praying. If something at the end of six months does not, something extraordinary doesn't happen with that in your life, surrounding your life, he says, I'll give you 500 bucks. Doug says, or Bob says, it's a deal. So he sets out every day, prays for Kenya. Months go by, nothing happens. Six months is almost up, nothing extraordinary has happened. He's at a dinner, he's at a meal with some work colleagues and different, some business connections and different people are talking about what they do. One of the ladies that's there runs an orphanage in Kenya. And when he hears it, he's curious. So he starts asking question after question after question. Like he just just digs into this one woman and what she does and tell me about the orphanage. And finally she asks him, she says, why are you so curious about Kenya? He says, well, I'm a new Christian and I've been praying for Kenya almost every single day for six months and there's nothing that's happened. And so when I heard that you're from Kenya, I immediately began to say, well, maybe this is what I've been praying for. And she says, well, have you ever been? He says, no. She says, why don't you come? So he gets on a plane. He flies to Kenya. He visits the orphanage. When he's flying back, his heart breaks for the health care conditions in this nation and specifically for the children in that orphanage. So he has connections to pharmaceutical companies. And so he writes letters to them. And he says, I know at the end of every year, some of the products, some of the medicine that you don't sell, you, you get rid of, you throw away. Would you be willing to send those, that medicine, to this orphanage in Kenya? And many of them took him up on his offer. And millions of dollars worth of medical supplies started to be shipped to this orphanage in Kenya. It made such a major impact in that orphanage and in that area that the lady called Bob up and said, would you consider coming back to Kenya? We want to throw a huge party. We want to celebrate all that's happened. He flies back. He shows up at the party. And because it was the largest orphanage in Kenya, the president of Kenya shows up at the celebration. Bob starts talking to the president of Kenya and he asks Bob, have you ever been to Nairobi, the capital city of Kenya? And Bob says, no, I've never been. He says, I'm going to personally invite you to come be my guest and I'll give you a tour, a personal tour of the capital city, Nairobi. I'll give you that tour. So Bob goes, the president gives him a, is giving him a tour of the capital city and they drive by a prison. As they drive by this prison, Bob asks what the prison is and who's in the prison. And the president says, that is a prison that's filled with political prisoners. He says, what do you mean political prisoners? And he says, those who politically oppose me are in that prison. And Bob says to the president of Kenya, what you're doing is wrong. You need to release those prisoners. He flies back to the United States. After a couple of weeks, he gets a call from the State Department of the United States. And they ask him, did you have a conversation with the president of Kenya? He says, yes. He said, well, what did you say? Well, I told him to let the prisoners, the political prisoners go. And, and they said, after years and years of negotiations and no success, we got a call that the president of Kenya, because of a conversation with you, has let 
all the political prisoners go. It doesn't stop there. The president called him several months later, invited him to come up and ask him to pray for three days for him and with him while he appointed new, new members to his cabinet. Thou shalt accept the prayer challenge. Jesus said, whatever you ask. You see, the question is a great question. Does God always answer prayer? I think we have to start answering this question. Are we actually praying? Are we showing up in our cool place? Are we actually asking? Are we seeking? Are we knocking? Are we continually showing up in that cool place? People ask all the time, where are the miracles? Where's the power? Where's the signs and wonder? Where's God? And my question would be probably the same question God asked Adam. Where are you? Are you in your cool place? Because at the end of our life, when our life story is done, the Bible says we'll stand before God and every one of us has a book. And in that book, he's going to open it up and we'll actually be judged according to our works, our deeds. There'll be a chapter in there on family. There'll be a chapter in there on trials. There'll be a chapter in there on pain. There'll be a chapter in there on how you raised your kids. There'll be a chapter in there on church. There'll be a chapter in there on on your walk with God. There'll be chapters in this book. And and he's going to open it up and it comes to to family. He went to the game. But look, he, he was prayerless. Man, that couple, they were prayerless. When he went through trials, he was prayerless. And Christians are like the guys who have resources underneath their feet priceless gems and stones and gold and they work and they toil the soil because even though they own what's beneath their feet they never claim it it's unrecognized and Christians all over the world are this way we don't have because we don't ask we're prayerless we disconnected and we reach and we pull and we grab on all kinds of things. And it disconnects us from our cool place. Thou shalt accept the prayer challenge. For the next two weeks as a church, we're praying together. We're fasting together. 6 a.m., I'll be here every single day this week. I'm not asking you to come at 6 a.m. I'm encouraging you to try to find a way to be here. At a minimum, I'm challenging you over the next two weeks to find a prayer target and make, accept the prayer challenge that for six months or throughout 2018, you on a daily basis will establish your cool place. You'll guard it because everything possible is going to try to get you away from it. 
and you'll take Jesus at his words. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it for you. And if God does nothing extraordinary for you throughout that time, then come back and we'll dig more into that question. But I'm not just issuing it to you. I'm issuing it to this church. That 2018 will be a year of prayer. This will be a year we accept the prayer challenge. That we will daily as a church seek God. Corporately, we will have opportunities daily to seek God. And we will target our prayers on some specific things in 2018. And you say, what's another way? 2018 is going to be a year of of God does the impossible. 2018 is going to be a year of God doing exceedingly abundantly anything we could ever ask, think, or imagine. 2018 is going to be a year of incredible breakthrough. 2018 is going to be a year of great miracles. How do we know that? Because we know that God always answers prayer. When you pray, God goes to work. Your prayers do way more than your work. You know, your prayers are omnipotent, all-powerful. Your prayers can do everything God can do. But we have to accept the prayer challenge. How many of you are here this morning you would say, man, I need to reestablish my cool place. I'm going to accept this prayer challenge. I'm going to, I'm going to take God at his word in 2018. How many of you are here and you'd say, Marcus, I'm going to do that in 2018. I'm not going to play around this year. I'm going to, I'm going to really see what God is able to do.